Welcome to the OSMA Talks podcast series, hosted by Oklahoma State Medical Association President, Dr. Larry Bookman, MD. Hello, and welcome back. Over the last few months, I've been conducting a series of interviews of Oklahomans who are leading the effort to reverse the downward trend in Oklahoma's health outcomes. In this episode, my guest was Senator Greg McCourtney of Ada. Senator Greg treats choice to be one of the leaders of the healthcare working group. That panel examined the need for an Oklahoma-specific plan to expand access to health care and increase coverage of uninsured Oklahomans. This is my interview with Senator Greg McCourtney. We are honored to have Senator Greg McCourtney with us today. Senator, thank you for being Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. The Senator is the co-chairman of the Legislative Health Group um, that our legislature is working on, and we're going to get into that here in a few minutes. The first question I have for you is, is that you've led a lot of bills authored and carried through the Senate on health-related subjects. What got you interested in health care? <laughs> I, I guess it was bred into me. So I, I grew up in a, in a pharmacy family. So my, my dad was a pharmacist. So uh, I grew up in a world where uh, when people asked my dad uh, how things were going, his pat answer was always something to the effect of, I don't have any problem that a good flu season wouldn't fix. And so that's it's just kind of the world I, I grew up in. And so then I ended up uh, in the home care and hospice business. So uh, for many, many years owned a hospice company, uh, continued to own a home care company. So when I got elected, I uh, got up to the Capitol and, and realized that there's a real shortage of elected officials that naturally kind of have a background in healthcare. Uh, in, in all reality, at that point, there were four of us in the Senate that, that have had that. We're down to three right now, uh, people who've ever worked in healthcare. And so uh, it really was, I, I think, incumbent upon me to, to take what I knew the most about and, and work on it. And so that's how I ended up where I am today, I guess. Well, we appreciate your work. Uh, and what you've attempted over the last few years. Um, Currently, as I stated, you're the co-chairman of the Legislative Health Group. The Legislative Health Group has been given the responsibility to improve the health of Oklahoma and to come up with a way to do that. We're not going to talk about Medicaid expansion just yet, but tell me what's happened in the Legislative Health Group and what you hope to accomplish with it. It's uh yeah, it's a, a big mandate that we've been given. I mean, it, it, nothing short of just the entire state being healthier uh, can can be deemed a success. So that's a, a little bit intimidating, but uh, it's been really an interesting process. So it's Democrats, Republicans, House, Senate, and and even some members of the executive branch who who've all kind of committed to putting themselves in a room once a week uh, to look at at all the different aspects of it, and so. Uh, is actually had a meeting earlier and, and one of the people said, you know, the more we study, the more we look at this, the more we figure out that, you know, what we don't know and just how complex this really is. And so I, I think most people were surprised when the second thing we talked about it as a work, work group was, was corrections because uh, people don't associate 
uh, health and Department of Corrections and uh, but if you don't figure out health care for people who are getting out of prison uh, you're just gonna have people coming back into prison and, and that's absolutely uh, a part of the population that's got some really bad health outcomes is, is people who uh, are, are in or have just come out of out of our correction system and so uh, it is a huge task uh, we're we're looking at, at kind of looking under every rock to try to figure out different uh, payment models and, and you know a lot of states have gone before us and there's a lot we can learn from those states and so I mean, we've had experts fly in from multiple places to, to testify and kind of tell us what's happening in other parts of the nation and uh, just trying to get our heads around all the different uh, options and there are, uh, what, 46 states that do this better than we do, so it, it's not hard to find someone who we might be able to learn from. To give you the latest statistic um, on the health scorecard, we're now number 50. So we have a long ways to go to be a top 10 state. <laughs> the, the Department of Corrections, if you look at their population, would be the seventh largest city in Oklahoma. Um, mental health, drug addiction are major problems there. Uh, we just had a large settlement. We haven't received the money yet, but hopefully we will. How do you expect to use that for the Department of Corrections? That's the multi-million dollar question. I, I Almost a billion dollars. At this point, yes. it's uh, We don't know yet. I, I think that we're at least a year, maybe two years away from that money actually coming in. And I, I've been trying really hard to convince people to kind of keep their eye off of that shiny object because we don't know what that's going to look like two years from now. And, and I don't really think that we want to wait two years to figure that out. Uh, we've got problems we can solve today, and so I'm going to focus on those a lot more than, than what we might do with money that comes in. Um, you know, to me, to answer your question, uh, the biggest thing I see in corrections is figuring out a way when you get out of prison, if you've been on, and mental health is the easiest example, if you've been on mental health medications the whole time that you're in prison, and then we let you out and we give you a six-day supply and say good luck, what do you think is going to happen next? I and mean, we have to find a way to make sure that that person, you know, can, can get his medications, can get them refilled, has a doctor that he can go to. If we don't do that, we've just set someone up for failure. Uh, so to me, that's my biggest focus when we look at corrections, is that transition period when they get out, if we don't help them, we set them up for failure. And uh, if, even if you just don't even talk about the, the life that we just messed up, the amount of money you're talking about there if they come back into prison when we could have for the cost of a few prescriptions kept them out that's just bad decision making we know in oklahoma education access rural communities rural hospitals rural medicine are important and we're going to get into that but let's talk about the big gorilla right now and that's medicaid expansion or maximizing federal dollars um, we have a petition out there to accept the federally Medicaid expansion program with all the strings attached. That would be a constitutional amendment. We have your group working on a legislative plan. Tell us 
will you be able to accomplish having a plan and a bill that gets passed before the petition is finished? Yes, <laughs> I, I, I think we will. Uh, I am I'm very bullish. Uh, there's a lot going on, uh, I guess, in in front of the scenes and behind the scenes that, that really make me think that that we're on the path to getting this done finally. And I think, in large part, uh, for well, for years, I was absolutely opposed to expansion. Uh, just. It, I, I think it's a bad idea. I still think it's a bad idea, but I think we can't afford not to do it now. Um, I don't think the federal government should have ever made this offer to the states, uh, but they did. And at this point, we are literally, and I mean literally, dying because of our decision not to take them up on the bad offer that they've given us. And so uh, I worry very much that the federal government cannot afford this, but at this point, this is the healthcare system the United States and Oklahoma has to join it. Or in my part of the state, you're destined to die four years earlier than the rest of the nation because of our bad healthcare system. And I'm not willing to sit by and just say, well, you know, I guess we're all just going to die young. Uh, I'm just, I'm not willing to do that anymore. We've seen states who have accepted Medicaid expansion in one form or another all pass us in their health outcomes. So I agree with you. We have to get federal dollars in. Last year, you authored and carried Senate Bill 605 part of Insure Oklahoma. Um, I'll assume that Insure Oklahoma would probably be part of the legislative plan. Can you talk about what Insure Oklahoma is and what that would mean to our citizens? Absolutely. So Insure Oklahoma is, I think it's a great program that we have that's actually underutilized in the state. And, and what it is, is it's it's a waiver program. It's, it's a deal that the state of Oklahoma made with the federal government that allows Oklahoma to help small companies, generally it's small companies, provide health insurance for their employees. And, and I'm an example of that. I, my home care business, uh, for a long time, we did not provide health insurance to our employees uh, just because the workforce that we used, it, it was very cost prohibitive. With the Insure Oklahoma program, it brought the state of Oklahoma in to partner with me to help make that happen. And so at that point, you know, I was paying a, a large chunk of that health insurance premium for my employees, but the state was paying part of that too. So it wasn't fully me that was on the hook as a business owner. Uh, and so that helped, I mean, literally helped my company and it's helped a lot of different companies across the state be able to offer health insurance uh, to their employees. And so I, I think it is, well, I know it, it's a model uh, across the nation and, and you've seen a couple of states now who have based their Medicaid expansion off of something very similar to what we've been doing for a long time in Insure Oklahoma uh, and that just bring the government and, and bring the private sector together to provide private insurance not government-run health care but private insurance policies uh, for the
this population. And so I, I think it's absolutely one of the options. There are a lot of different options on how we might do this. And so I don't want to get out in front of the working group and say, hey, this is the way it's going to end up. Sure. But that's absolutely one of the options on how we would move forward if we do expand. And in Oklahoma, as you well know, coming from Ada, rural health care is a major problem. Um, bringing federal dollars, how will that help rural health care and the rural hospitals? So it's uh, in, in this morning's work group meeting, we, we, we had this information again. Uh, in rural Oklahoma, the number of uninsured and when the I guess the more pointed way to say it, the number of people that walk into that hospital and are not going to pay for their care is about twice as much as it is in Oklahoma City even. Um, and so you've got this pretty significant population of people who are continuously walking in and out of our hospitals and our hospitals are caring for them. And so people say that you know, they're these people don't have access to health care. They have access to an emergency room and they're using it and it's killing us. Uh, that's an expensive form of care. It's not the best form of care. I mean, it would be much better for these people to have their own doctor that they can go to and that doctor can manage their health long term. I mean, that's the way health care should be provided. Uh, it shouldn't be through an emergency room, but right now those people are flocking to our emergency rooms. They're getting care that they're not paying for, but the hospital is absolutely paying for that care. And we know um, that a physician is an economic benefit to a community. Uh, statistics have shown that a physician in a small community is worth about $1.9 million in economic benefit to that community. There's also the uh, taxes that come from that. Uh, physicians overall pay about $440 million in taxes. So there's a lot of benefit to a physician being there and a physician won't be there if there's no hospital. The hospital won't be there if there's no physician. So bringing those dollars in and keeping healthcare in the communities is important. Part of that problem, though, is that we have a shortage of doctors in Oklahoma. There's a shortage of doctors throughout the United States, but very serious shortage in Oklahoma. Graduate medical education funding was cut from the federal government uh, a year ago. Last session, the legislature came through with $62.8 million. We appreciate that and we thank you for that. But it needs to be every year. It needs to be annual funding. Residency programs run three to five to seven years. You can't give one year's worth of, med of money and expect that that's gonna uh, fix the problem. Right. Will the legislature be able to continually, annually give money for graduate medical education? And what are the plans to try to expand the number of residency slots? So I, I want to give two answers to because I don't want to skip over the economic development part of what you just said. You didn't ask me the question, but I'm going to answer it anyway. Go ahead. Uh, because I think it is really important as we talk about the possibility of, of Medicaid expansion in Oklahoma. The State Chamber of Commerce, and, and this was a few years back, so these numbers are outdated, uh, but their projection is that about two-thirds of the 
amount of money that it would take for us to expand Medicaid would actually be brought back into the state. I mean, so we're talking about tax dollars coming back just through the economic development that comes from that. And it's exactly what you just talked about. It is uh, doctors who are paying income tax and paying sales tax and hiring nurses who are you know, paying income tax and sales tax. Uh, it is you know, financially secure hospitals that are staying open. That money is generated and coming back into the economy and it pays for a huge part of Medicaid expansion. So in a lot of ways, it would pay for itself. Uh, now in the legislature, we're not gonna count on that, but that's the reality is that there's some real economic benefit to bringing in a billion federal dollars and putting it into a, a service industry. Um, now to go to uh, going to residency slots, which I walked out to come here and do this, walked out of a meeting where that was absolutely part of what we were discussing, is how do we do this? Because there is not only a, a commitment, I think, in, inside the Capitol uh, to making sure that we continue the slots we have, but there's a, a knowledge that we have to expand the number of residency slots in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, there are slots available that there are slots available, they're just not funded. And at the same time, we have people who aren't matching for residency. They, they finish med school and then they don't get matched. And now they're hung, you know, kind of in limbo of, you know, I've, I've graduated medical school, but I hadn't had a residency, so I'm not really a doctor. And so what do I do now? And that's inside a state that is woefully short on doctors. And so that's just, that's a bizarre world. I mean, we've, we've got to do something about that. How? That, that's really hard to, to answer the question of exactly how do you find that funding source that you know you can always count on to get this done. Uh, but I don't think that there's any way that the legislature ever lets that fall through the cracks. It's just, it's way too important for us not to, to figure out a way to fund it. And that's important. I don't think a lot of people realize that graduating medical school does not produce doctors. Those graduates then have to do a residency of three to five years uh, before they can go out and practice and be competent. So that we just opened a new, med or we're going to open a new medical school in Tahlequah. We have more students coming out, yet we don't have the number of residency slots now we have to expand that number, which means coming up with additional funds. Um, do you have any ideas of how that's gonna happen and will the federal money be put towards graduate medical education if we get that? There, well, and <laughs> talk about a complex, uh, so there, there are a couple of different pots that that can come from. Which pot and, and how that's done and I, expanding the I guess the revenue streams that we have is not really an option so I don't know I mean that's probably the honest answer is there are there are a handful of different ways we could go about it uh, along with about a million other things that we're trying to figure out that that's part of uh, that's part of the great riddle that we have in front of us right now do you see further uh, involvement in vaccinations improving our vaccination rate to try to prevent the catastrophes we've seen in New York and Washington and California. It is 
an absolutely toxic subject at the state capitol right now i mean to, to to be completely honest and i just for example one of those bills the the education bill right now if if you don't want to vaccinate your student you have to fill out a form and you give that to the school for an, for their exemption the school keeps that on file all my bill would have done is have the school tell the state department of health how many of those they have so that the state department of health has ac accurate records of how many kids in each school have been vaccinated and how many have not not it doesn't it's not you know which kids it's not why it is just a number and that bill made it out of the senate hard fought battle to get it out of the senate and it did not receive a hearing at all in the house of representatives it is technically still alive in the house of representatives and i hold out no hope whatsoever that that absolutely common sense bill moves forward whatsoever uh, I think right now, unfortunately, where we are in, in the state of Oklahoma, uh, vaccinations is such a hot topic that no one wants to touch it right now. That's a shame, um, and it, it goes back to the same as health care. Vaccinations are part of health care, and um, I, I think we're going to have to approach that at some point, uh, if not today, tomorrow. So uh, uh, we will look forward to what the future holds for that. Again, in healthcare, vaping has become a major problem in this country. New York just passed a law, 21 years of age, and they can no longer sell flavored e-cigarettes. Do you see Oklahoma addressing the vaping problem before we have a death? Uh, Hopefully, <laughs> I no, I, I think so. Uh, I, I think that we will. I, I think that there's national momentum for that. Uh, I actually filed an, an interim study for uh, Tobacco Twenty One, so to, to raise that age, not just for tobacco but for vaping to to the age of twenty one. Uh, and so those things, those conversations are, are being held uh, for sure. And I'm, I'm the dad of three teenagers. I, I have a, a junior, a freshman, and an eighth grader. Uh, it is mind-boggling, the number of teenagers that are vaping. Uh, it is, just never ceases to amaze me. Uh, I, I saw one, you know, at church. Uh, it just it, it blew my mind so yes I, I think we're going to deal with it uh, the federal government it seems to be trying to move pretty fast on it too so so who gets there first and what gets done is is anybody's guess right now uh, but it is something that's on the radar for sure one of the last questions that I have for you relates to tort reform um, as you know, our Supreme Court threw out tort reform uh, for non-economic cap on damages. Um, do you see the legislature getting involved further in tort reform, both for business and health care, uh, either in caps on non-economic or um, certificate of merit? Uh, we'll, we'll circle back to where we started, where I where I say when I got there, I, I knew a decent amount about healthcare, and so that's what I worked on. 
I didn't grow up in a, in a household with lawyers, uh, nor do I live in one now. So when you start talking judiciary, when you start talking tort reform on, on those things, there's some really smart people at the state capitol that I, I follow them and I let them do that work. I don't know. I don't know what the appetite is for it. I don't know what you know. Right now is kind of the time of year where those types of things, you know, we're studying them, we're working on them. I, I don't know what they're working on. Uh, I'm pretty busy on the healthcare side, so I, I stay away from the tort reform and anything. If it if it requires a, an attorney, I, I typically shy away from being a part of it. <laughs> All of that for me is part of healthcare. If we I don't have the doctors, then we don't right. have healthcare. No, so I, I understand that part for yeah. sure. But when it comes to writing legislation, sure. it is way out of my league. Do you have any final comments that you'd like to tell our viewers of what you hope to accomplish this year in the legislature? I, I mean, I. I Truly, I believe the the work of this working group is it's not people want to pigeonhole it to say this is about Medicaid expansion. That is one small part of a really big problem, and the really big problem is that we are an incredibly unhealthy group of people. And I think that you're going to see the the state of Oklahoma start to move up that ladder. Uh, now you don't get from 50th in the nation to top 10. Uh, in a year and I, I want people to understand that if they don't understand anything else is even if we do get Medicaid expansion done inside the Capitol at 23rd and Lincoln that actually takes a couple of years for between when you say hey let's do it and when it actually happens it's a two-year process to make that happen so we're turning the corner and I absolutely believe we're going to uh, it's a 10-year plan and, and I want people to understand that because I worry that we're going to do some really big things but it'll really be my kids that see the best effect of that and, and I don't know that people understand that. I think people think that we're going to flip a switch and everybody's going to have insurance and there's going to be a doctor on every corner and neither of those things happen quickly. It takes years to train more doctors. So we have a generational problem we're trying to solve and, and we talk about it a lot of times like it's a problem we can solve next week. Uh, it took us years to be worst in the nation. It will take us a generation to climb back out of that. And I, I just feel like we don't say that often enough. I would support that entirely. I did the research and I can tell you that since the health rankings have been coming out, there has only been one state that has improved the top 10 and that was New York, which started out at 40th and it took 20 years to end up at number 10. They made some significant changes and the state of Oklahoma is going to have to make changes both personally as well as at the legislature um before we'll see improved health outcomes i hope that this has been informative uh, we try to give health information to all of our listeners um, it's important for all oklahomans to understand that health is both a benefit to the person and to business for this state to improve we all need to work together to improve our health outcomes.
And with that, I'm going to say good day, and we will see you next time at Oklahoma State Medical Association Talks. Learn more at okmed.org and on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Have a question for Dr. Bookman? Email him at osmatalks at okmed.org. Okay